Exodus chapter 12. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you need to get one now. Because we're going to be talking from this scripture today. It's important, very important, at this present time, to look at this beautiful chapter of scripture. set before him and do the cross. Pay attention to that. Because <laughs> he can perfect you because he's already been perfected himself. Uh, which is a word for today. Most people want to join ministry. They want to tell people what to do. Okay. There's a lot of police presence in my area today. I'm in Croydon, London. And um, They've been busy in this area today, which is usually quiet. But let's go back. Who, for the joy, set before him, he himself, endured the cross. See, that was endurance again, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3 says, consider him. Consider him. Pay attention to him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This this is very important. I want to just pause here so I could I could break something down and, and show you to point your spirit to something here. If you are not considering completely the journey of Jesus Christ from the time he was born till the time he was cut up into heaven which was his earthly walk then you're going to be missing out on important portions and modules of practical wisdom that God has put in place for you and I if you do not consider that journey from the time that he was born till the time that he was cut up went back to heaven you're going to have a lot of struggles with your journey in the earth which is exactly what I went through in 2017 in 2014 things started going wrong 2015 things went terribly wrong I didn't even know what I was doing my businesses weren't prospering 
ministry was not really making sense. Uh, my personal life was in shambles. And I didn't know what was going on. I prayed, I fasted, I confessed, I did everything I could. Nothing seemed to work. Eventually, I took the most of time off to, you know, sort of like go in and, and look at this thing. But I was still working, so it was distracting and all that. 2016, 2017. In 2017, it got to a head. And I knew I needed a change. confessing scriptures but I was not considering him the Bible says to never take your eyes away from Jesus because if you take your eyes away from Jesus you will miss some portions of your own journey the meaning of your journey will be lost you will not understand why things are not working which was exactly what happened to me I didn't understand what was going on because I did not pay attention to understanding Jesus Christ who said in Matthew 11 take my yoke upon you and learn of me not because of my ego but because of wisdom because you will need to learn what happened to me so that you can make sense of what's happening to you alright consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart we've not conducted any research of late but if you look at it many people go to church but they're really not in there. They've, they've left. And their body is there, but their spirit is gone. The meaning of all of this is lost. Why? We've taken our eyes off of Jesus. And we put it on our emotions because that's what happens. You put it on your emotions and your emotions. You, know? you put it on what you're doing. Your emotions, your fasting, your prayer, your reading, work, and all those things that you do. That's where your eyes will be. And you will be frustrated increasingly because you'll be wondering, I'm doing all of this praying, I'm doing all of this fasting, I'm doing all of this giving, all this seeding, all this serving, and I'm not getting anything in return. You will grow weary and you will lose heart. But if you put your eyes on Jesus, then you will find yourself in Him and find your journey in Him, which was exactly what happened. God directed me to join the church and Went there for a convention early in January, but uh, eventually I began to learn, and that was the beginning of the breakthrough and the light that I now experience today, and the peace and the connectedness and the the meaning and the liberty that I now experience today, which leads me to the next part of this of this wonderful, glorious chapter of Scripture. Four. He said, if you struggle against sin, sin does not mean the act itself, the things we do. No, don't worry about that. That's not what I'm talking about. Sin means the falling short of the glory. It means the things that are below the methodologies of heaven. Sin is the system, the, the approach of the world, the processes of the world. It's a sin. It sin means the falling short of the mark. Because if you don't do something God tells you to do, even though that thing may not be missed, it's a sin because you're falling short of the method. The method through which heaven invades heart and well, heaven, yeah, heaven invades earth and hearts. 
is by giving specific instructions to you. That's how it happens. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But we'll get that. We'll get to this later. Uh, because it's very crucial. Because there are three lessons you must learn in this work, which were exemplified by the journey of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three important things that you must learn, exemplified by the journey of Jesus Christ. You must struggle against this evil system. You have not yet resisted to the shedding, to the point of shedding your blood. And you have not, you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. That's also important. My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Ooh, that, is a, that is not a word that is easy to understand. It's not a word that is easy to accept, especially when it comes to God. But who can save you if you don't listen to them? Who can heal you if you can't hear them when you go to the hospital? You become a child again. The doctor says, sit down, you sit. He says, open your bum bum, you open your bum bum. If you decide not to open your bum bum, you're on your own. Open your bum bum. You don't get to say, I don't want this lady to be here when I open my bum bum. No, you are sick. They cannot save you and serve you if they cannot instruct you. This is quite true. If they cannot discipline you, they cannot help you. If God cannot tell you what to do, then you can't know what to do. And there's nothing he can do for you. He says, my son, do not take lightly discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. This is not a flogging. No, don't think about discipline the way your father taught you, your mother taught you. This one is a realigning, a refocusing, a redirecting, a correcting of course. You know, I, I have some background in aviation. When you're out there, it's an open road. Most of the time, you don't know where you are, except you look at your instruments. When you look at your instruments, it will tell you whether you are 38 degrees north or you are 136 degrees south. It will tell you. You will know. And there is also something called the tower. You have to put your radio to the right frequency as the pilot. So the tower, who can see you relative to the horizon, relative to the other traffic in the air, because you're not the only one flying. They can see you. Then they'll tell you. Maintain, turn 180 degrees and maintain this heading for five minutes. That is the chastening we're talking about. It is not easy in the flesh because we want to be in control all the time. We want to be the one to, you know, rise up and sit down and you know, we're self-determining, we're, we're, we're self-made. All of that was in my spirit in 2015, 2016, 2017 and I didn't know it. Rebellion to self-determine. The rebellion to say what I want, do what I want, when I want it, how I want it. To choose my method. To choose my collaborators. To choose the people that agree with me only. Those are the things that hinder our destiny. And those are the things that 
chastening from the Lord helps us to address. So that it won't destroy us. So that they can, we can be sharpened. You know, instruments with, with teeth. So that we can be precise on our purpose. He says, my son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. That's verse 6. And he chastises every son he receives. So that means that the, when, when, when you join the army, the discipline begins after you've been accepted. It's like in the army. They don't tell you 250 push-ups before you come and apply. No, you're not there to do anything. You apply. When you apply to the military, you sign up. Then you do your medicals. Then they accept you. The moment you are accepted, oh man, all hell breaks loose. Oh my God. Then you don't choose where to wake up again. You don't choose when to sleep. When lights out, that's when you sleep. When boom, light comes on in the morning, that's when you wake up and that light can come on at three o'clock in the morning. You signed up. It is when you have been received that chastisement begins. So rejoice. It means that there is a specific agenda of heaven for you. It means that there is something specific God wants to do for you. When he says, now it's time for discipline, you're already enlisted. You're already in the army. And that's why, you know, sometimes people rush out into the ministry. It's like rushing out from that, from that training into the battlefield. You're not ready. You're already in ministry. When God begins to deal with you, when he says, sit down there, you are already accepted into ministry. You may not have a big microphone. You may not have a worldwide ministry. Uh, 50 million people may not be lining up to, to hear you speak. And you may not have you know, the followings. You, but you are already in ministry. Then whom he did for whom he also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Then he also did, then he who, then he who, whom he predestined, he also There is a process where with the necessary fortification is done for the specific journey you're supposed to be on. Whether your calling is in the marketplace or your calling is in, is in, is in the medical field or your calling is in, is in, uh, in, in Hollywood or your calling is in uh, wherever it is at. You need a specific equipping for that calling to be precise, to be sharp. Whether your calling is in the financial systems of the world or in politics or is on the pulpit. The moment you are predestined is when you are called. You were foreknown before you were born. Most of the people who got called are just finding out. They think that the moment God visits them physically to call them to ministry is actually when God is aware of them. Before you were found in the womb, I knew you. I knew you already. You were pre destined. You were foreknown and you were predestined to be conformed. The conformity to the image of the sun is where the chastening happens. Where you are put on the path that leads you to that ministry. I've already, you know, I'll short my time, but I want to give you a comfort here now. In part two, I will record um, the, the remaining part of this 
wonderful and glorious chapter. It is beautiful. These are three things you must learn. Three things you must know as a son. Three things you must know as a son is what I'm talking about. And we are in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter number six now. And I just want to comfort you with this. You're already called. It's already yours. Don't worry yourself that you're not in the pulpit, that your hand is not, you've not gotten that job yet, or you've not gotten that appointment yet, or you've not gotten that hookup yet, or you've not gotten that thing yet, or you've not gotten that assignment yet, does not mean you're not yet here. You were forlorn, first of all, and then you were predestined. Now you are being conformed to the image of a son. And after you conformed to the image of a son, like Jesus Christ who came out of the water after John the Baptist, baptized him, you will hear the call. Now that's when you'll be announced to the public. This is now my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. But that's the way this is. that alignment from the moment you reach that alignment you will feel a deep comfort in your spirit an approval of grace inside you a confirmation of joy inside that you are already in you've gotten your letter of enlistment now although you're still in discipline you're still in training you're already called don't rush yourself God knows how to put your hand to the plow you will put your hand on the doorknob and say, open it. By the time you open it, you know the other side was ready before you were born. Don't rush him. Ask him to discipline you. So when I wake up in the morning these days, I just say, Father, I worship you. So call him Father, not God. God is too remote. He's a Father. Father, I worship you. I give you full access today to correct me, to instruct me, to direct me and then I go into worship and everything starts working as they should I face my day I do what's in my hands to do whatever it is is in my hands to do right now I do I got a script to go and shoot I go ahead and shoot I have a, a, a business meeting to attend I go and attend the business meeting and when I wake up tomorrow morning again I say God receive your instruction, your correction, and your direction with humility. In Jesus' name, because then the word will come to you, because only those who have a contrite heart will hear him in the face, but you must lay aside, you know, every stubbornness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. It is engrafted. It is not attracted, it is engrafted. Attraction is all your efforts. is the one that is able to save your soul. I love you. I will pick it up from the seven when I come again later. 
Three things you must know as a son. Hello, welcome again. Um, thank you so much for all your comments and your encouragement. I really, really, really appreciate them. We are still in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm still talking about the three things you should know as a son. And um, um, I'm hoping that this is a massive, massive blessing to you as it's been to me. Um, this is a two-year, three, four-year journey. I think it started in 2016 and I began to get aware of what God was doing in me in 2018 and um, uh, and here we are in 2020 and I'm still there in this scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. And we've done, um, we've gone all the way to um, to verse 6. And I want to start from verse 7 today. Hopefully, um, we can get somewhere with this. Don't forget, we're talking about three things you need to know. We've talked about verse 1, how we're surrounded by, you know, crowd witnesses. We fix our eyes on Jesus, not, not neglecting the Jesus story and journey. Because if we didn't pay attention to him, we would lose the main example God has set for us to follow and um, and we will miss our way in life and we will be we'll be feeling lost like I did I felt lost you know um, for a long time couldn't really figure out where I was you know um I'm glad for where we are now there's a lot of light from verse 7 now we can start it says endure suffering as discipline God is treating you as sons. The word suffering there is chastening, um, discipline. Um, it's, it's almost like how God will pull you by the collar and say, call and say, yeah, seriously now, let's talk. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. He's a father. That's what he does. He's a father. And because he's got a purpose and he's got a plan, there will come a time in your walk with him when he will pull you by the collar. Remember what I said when we, you know, rounded up the last session that you are already called. See, just because you're not yet with a gun and fighting battles, being on TV and preaching and you've not really found your angle in life, maybe you've not really um, um, received a, a a call to go there, do this and do that. Maybe you're going through the motions right now. You, Wherever you are in your work, uh, whatever industry you're involved in, you are called. And the training is part of the calling. The training is part of the calling. The training, the training is part of the calling. No, the training does not prepare you for the calling. No, you are called to be trained. We are, don't forget, the grand agenda of everything is transformative. This is so that we can become exact duplicates of Elohim. We can become exact duplicates of the Father. So verse 7 says, you must endure that chastening, that discipline. 
God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? I mean, really, <laughs> who is called a son and does not go through some tongue lashing once in a while? Does not go through some, you know, sit down, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, let's talk about the choices you made there. Let's talk about the way you think. Let's talk about the way you walk. Let's talk about the way you are prosecuting your life. Let's, let's put some order, some process, some structure to your growth. Let's, let's help you to, 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 to conceptualize life in a better way. Let's, let's give you wisdom. Let's point you to the light. That's what discipline does. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Verse 8 says, if you do not experience discipline like everyone else, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Furthermore, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Should we not much more submit to the father of our spirit and live? I like how in that verse 9 he called him the father of our spirits. The father of our spirit. This is very important to me. You know, the, 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 the core of, of the way I see all of this is that God is my father. God is my father. There is security and there is, there is assurance in that consciousness. He says, I am your father. Verse 9 says, submit to the father of, all, of, of your spirit. You were begotten by God. He, he gave birth to you. This is not a figurative thing. It's an actual thing. Being born again, not of the corruptible, but of the incorruptible word of God, which lives and abides forever. We were birthed by God, birthed into this earth by God, reborn through the process. And, and now we have a divine paternity. This is important, very important. He said, submit to the Father of your spirit, then you will live. Verse 10, our fathers disciplined us for a short time as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. We're sharing in that nature. That's the point, that in our journey, we evolve exactly like the Father. This is amazing, but I'm going to talk about this much later. It's another series when I talk about identity. It's a totally different, it's a totally different stream of teaching, but it, it, it's enough to know now. We were called to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. We are exact duplicates of Elohim by potential. And as we submit to his dealings, to him guiding and teaching us, we become great. So, so we should share in his own. No, no discipline seems enjoyable at the, at the time. This is verse 11. But painful later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace. Whew. It yields a harvest of righteousness. The word righteousness means the becoming of an identity, the becoming 
of who we were supposed to be, the becoming, the coming into our potential, working, working in the way Jesus will work with all confidence and assurance, working divine principles with dexterity and with authority. That's righteousness. And it says, and peace to those who have been trained by it. Verse 12, therefore, strengthen your limp hands and weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Verse 13, so that the lame may not be debilitated, but rather healed. So it says, stop being discouraged. Stop slumping your shoulders. All right? So you can be his children. Now, I, 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 I came into a consciousness in 2018. And um, I want to show you three things. I want to deviate from here. Now, I'm going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Hmm? And, um, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to show you those three things that I was talking about. Three things why some of these things, um, some of these things happen to us. You know, mm. I hope you're with me. I'm going to go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm probably going to read from uh, verse 1. This is so important. So, so important. Deuteronomy chapter 8 from this one and I'm reading from the NIV and it says be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors verse 2 remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man shall not Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to stop here today, but this is where I want to get into the cross of the message. He says that you should be careful. Be careful, meaning to be diligent, to obey what he tells you to do. See, I'm not talking about morality here. I'm not talking about sin. Don't don't, don't think that way. Yes, God wants us to live a holy life. You know, but that's not where I'm going. This thing are the three pillars. These three things are the three pillars 
upon which your consciousness should grow. Especially as you go through some hard times in life and you go through deprivation, you see some doors you want to enter but you just can't enter it. You, you, you long for some influence, you know, to have, but you just can't have it. You feel that you carry a promise, but you just can't see yourself entering into it. It's painful to show so much potential, but to have so little, so little traction on the earth. You're praying all these prayers, you're seeing all these marvelous things, and you know that God wants to give it to you, but you just can't access them. All right? That's a chastening. That's a period when God himself holds you back. And there are three things you must learn in order to shorten that period and to find yourself enjoying the harvest of righteousness and of peace that you see me talk about in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, be careful that you follow the commandment given you today. In verse 2 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way. He led them. He's the one leading them. It wasn't the devil leading them. It wasn't the enemy leading them. It wasn't the Moses. It was God that led them through that wilderness, those 40 years. If you read the book of Romans, you'll see that the Bible says that it was their disobedience. These are the three things that delayed their journey. That was 40 years. First, to humble you. Two, to make you discover what is in your heart. Three, to teach you that man shall not live by bread alone, but by receiving specific instructions from the mouth of the Father all the days of his life. I'll go through them again. First, humility. And I'll define each of them. Second, the discovery. The, the discovery of self the unearthing of inner programmings, the, unhear- the, 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 the unbundling, unbundling of inner motivations, things that are hidden from, from everybody else, but they're in you. They're your programs. They're your, your, your natural response to all things. They're, they're the things that are there that are controlling your life in your subconscious mind to show you what is there. And three, to turn you to a person who would never take a step without hearing from God. Mm-hmm. These are the three pillars of sonship. Three pillars of sonship. And these are lifelong schools. All the days of our lives, we will be learning humility. All the days of our lives, we will be learning the inner motivations of our own spirit. Things that were there from childhood. Things that were programs that are there. Where God is working yeah, in the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit. That place, that inner curious insight. The things that are going on. Dysfunctions that are buried from the surface. Things that hide in the shadows but that punish us in the light. Things that make us twisted. They make us do not be straight in our dealings with men. They affect issues of our integrity. These are the programs that are there running 
behind us, behind the, behind the scenes of our lives. And number three, complete and, and uncompromising hearing the obedience to the voice of the Father. These are the three modules of sonship that Chastin usually wants to bring us to see Mm-hmm. Let's start from the first one. Humility. What is humility? Humility is not you bending your head and acting, you know, like, you know, everybody's above you, you're under. No, that's not humility. Mm-mm. I mean, it, it, like, the, the, the best definition I think, you know, I've inspired in my heart to think of is this. Mm-hmm. The moon borrows its light from the sun, stores this, this, this energy, and then radiates them, the energy at night. Humility is not not shining. No, 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 no. Humility is not forgetting your source. See, if there's anything that destroys people, it is that they do not know they know their place as being high, but they do not know their place relative to everything else. Man is part of a system. Man is not the system. You are not the system. You are part of a system. And you stand in your calling and in your gift recognizing every other person's gifts and calling. Recognizing it, not diminishing it, but knowing it exists. And recognizing theirs by not diminishing yours, but just understand where yours stands in the middle of everything else. We borrow our light. We're not the end. To ourselves and within ourselves. We're part of a chain. We're part of a system. That is humility. That contextualizing. Recognizing, then contextualizing who we are. Romans chapter 12 is very instructive in this way. Let neither of you, let none of you think more highly of themselves as they ought. Not high-mindedness, not being high-minded. High-mindedness is different from ambition. You must you can be ambitious, you can reach for great things. You know, ambition reaches for great things. High-mindedness looks down on other things. You're looking up at things, but you're not looking down at anything. When you find yourself looking down at anything, there's pride that's lurking on the inside. And that's high-mindedness. And usually, the Bible says God resists the proud. You feel that resistance from God sometimes. You feel that something is holding me back. There are mountains that I want to ascend. There are things that I want to attempt. And I find myself going for it and going for it. I pump myself up and I go for it. And then I find there's a peg standing there. It's not the devil. Sometimes it's God. 
sometimes it's him. And the delay is until we recognize that, Lord, I am part of a system. I am part of a system. I am not the system. It changes everything. It changes the game. It changes how we react to other people's gifts. It changes how we try to support. It changes how we become team players. It changes how we become agreeable people. We become easier to work with. We, be, we become easy, easy to forgive and easier to be forgiven. We become meek and gentle. We don't deliberately give offense and we don't deliberately take offense. There is limit to how far a person can go when they're easily taking offense and when they easily give offense. Humility. Very important. Very, very, very important. And God is trying to say that if the chastening you are experiencing is so that I can humble you, just like the people of Israel, you can see the promised land, but you can't enter it. And there are areas of your giftings, you've seen yourself, you've seen that you could do this, you can start that business, you can, you know, join that committee, you can lead that thing, you can, you know, join that industry, you can shine to be a star. But you feel that resistance. Hmm. That's it. That's the first pillar of sonship. I'm going to stop there today. And I mean, it's it's great to wake up in the morning, like I say, and look up at the Father and say, thank you for my life. My life is not my own, it's yours. It's deeper than this. You see, the sin that Adam committed was not the act itself. It was the motivation. He wanted to self-determine. He wanted to get out from under the government of God. It was treason. Why should we always report to you? After all, I named all the animals. I could self-determine. Why are you trying to manage me? Why are you trying to, you know, you know, mitigate or why are you trying to regulate my exposure to power? Why can't I have all the power now? And it was that motivation that made him susceptible to the temptation to usurp the authority of God and to go after things that he didn't understand. It's not the apple eating or eating fruit or this. No, it was the motivation behind it. That's why the first protocol of God training his people is to give you a lesson in humility. I'll see you again next time. I'll continue from here. My name is Fabian Jacob. Share this far and wide. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Hello, welcome again. My name is Femi Jacobs. This is the Little Drops Podcast. I'm having so much fun with this study because it just, it's expansive, okay? And I'm just trying to break it down um, 
little by little so that we can see how the Lord took me through this journey. It is not like it's a new teaching. It's a new testimony. I'm a new testifier to this to this beautiful, beautiful plan of the Father. And we started from um, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews and we were working our way down. And um, when we got to um, whew, verse 12, um, and verse 13, I broke away to take us to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And don't forget, we're still talking about the three most important things that you should know as a son, the three pillars of sonship. And I mentioned them yesterday from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, broke it down to be humility, one, two, the discovery of what is in your heart, the hidden, hidden programs of your heart. The Bible talks about cleansing ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, because there's also filthiness of the spirit, which is things that are programs and and hidden programs that are running inside. All of us are broken in some way or the other, and this brokenness can hinder our spiritual journey and our attainment onto the full summit of our potential as sons, exact duplicates of the Most High, of Elohim himself. All right, so the first is humility. The second is um, the, the know what is in your heart, the hidden programs of your heart. These are the three objectives of chastening from the Lord. And the third is to show you that man should not live by bread alone, but by every command that comes out of the mouth, not out of the pages of scripture, but out of the mouth of God. We'll get there very soon. But we're on the first pillar, which is the pillar of humility. Remember when we started in Hebrews chapter 12, I told you how um, the writer exhorted us in, in verse 2 to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And he said in verse 3, consider him. And I try to tell you that you will get lost. If <laughs> you get lost on this journey, if your eyes are not on those 33 and a half years of Jesus on this earth, if you, in fact, the emphasis is so great because so much so that the story, the account of those 33 and a half years were written four times by four different authors. Okay, to let us see the importance of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reading all of those synaptic gospels, will, will introduce you to the full counsel of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and his practical journey upon this earth. Very, very important. Until you locate yourself in Christ, you will be lost. Oh, wow. Mm -mm. Let the words of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom. Let it dwell in you. Let it become full in you. He himself said, if you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And he said again, he said, he said, uh, um, um, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
for a meek and lowly of heart and you shall find rest for your soul. It means that if you don't learn of Jesus, if you don't make learning of Jesus, the Son of Man, and Christ, the Son of God, which which mystery is unfolded by you know the epistles. These are the combination that you must have. His earthly walk, his journey upon this earth, how he prosecuted his destiny, and the account, the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. These are to me the two most important things in our walk with Christ. Someone said, Oh, like the Holy Spirit. Oh, you can talk about Christ without talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually Christ in you. Alright? Christ in you is operationalized and executed by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so it, it, the, these two things, the words of Jesus on this earth, and the, the, the revelation of Christ, which is the foundation of our faith. If those two things are not burning in your heart daily, brothers and sisters, you will be lost. You'll feel lost. You'll be following emotionalism. And, and there's no power there. There's no transformation there. You will become ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The circumstances of your life will consume you. You, you will be confused by them. Because there'll be days when you will actually come into evil days and you wouldn't know what to do. And Satan will confuse you. But that's not your portion. All right. So he said, let the words of Christ dwell between you. I'm still on the humility. And part of the word of Christ is Philippians chapter 2. And that's where we're going to be today. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, thank you, God. Philippians chapter 2. I want to talk about, I, wanna, I don't want to rush this. I don't want to rush, I don't want to rush this. I, I want to do it as the Father's instructed me. I don't know where it's going to lead me. You know, I don't know where we're going to go with it. But I want to, I want to do it as he's instructing me to. Please be patient with me. All right, Philippians chapter two, and you're going to see the words of Christ here. The, the, the words of Christ. Listen, I told you sometime in this study, somewhere in this study, that the objective of God is for us to attain our destiny, and our destiny is as outlined. In Romans chapter 8, and it says, Him whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. Does that remind you of Genesis? We're back to the beginning. Jesus is the last Adam, who was the life-giving spirit, and we're supposed to be conformed to his image. That is our destiny. We're supposed to be Christ's to this world fountains of exuding the nature of the Father, the full the divine, his divine power and his, and his nature to this world. The witness is all over scripture. He's given us great and precious promises that we may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the word, the corruption that is the word through lust. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, you see this verse 1, it says, be imitators of God and they are the beloved children. Be imitators we're supposed to imitate him and the only living witness of the true nature of God the Father 
was Christ Jesus the Lord and how he walked upon this earth and he exhibited the full the fullness of the nature of God in the Philippians chapter then Ephesians chapter 3 tells us to pray to be filled with all the fullness of God after we've been rooted and grounded in love now these these are the things that are delaying the manifestation of the fullness of God's promises in our lives because we there are doors we cannot enter until we come into the flexibility of humility the first pillar of sonship Jesus Yeshua Amashiach the savior of the world demonstrated humility first of all for the first 30 years of his life and we're about to see what happens and Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 2 and exhorting us in the beginning therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any sharing in the spirit if any tenderness and compassion those things are important we need to learn these things if we don't we will repeat classes in this kingdom then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind Does that sound like the prayer Jesus prayed in in John chapter 17? That they may be one, even as we are one. This individualism that is all over the body of Christ is the reason why the fullness of of the potential of the body is not being utilized and it's not being seen and it's not being experienced. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't, don't do it. You know, I was talking about high-mindedness, you know, the other time. And this is what Paul is exhausting against. High-mindedness, the things that look down on other people. I take you to Romans chapter 12 where we talked about, you know, Paul exhorting us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Or to walk humbly according to the measure of grace we've received. Amazing stuff. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Verse 3, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Verse 4, not looking to show your own interest. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. And verse 5 is where I'm going today. The flexibility of humility, which is the first pillar of sonship. It gives you divine pliability. It increases your possibilities in the hands of God. Because there is something I want to, I I hope you get in this study. In verse 5, he says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. King James Version says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind. This attitude, permit it to permeate you. Let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Listen, I told you that when we, the second level of our study will be identity, and that the purpose of God is to make us exact duplicates of Elohim. But that is a power that we can't just take on by ourselves. We will be tested for that level of identity. And 
the true test of it is in the temptation of Jesus Christ. Will you turn stones to bread? Will you start using this power to control other people to submit to you? Will you start using them? Will you start climbing over the saints of God? Will you start maltreating the saints of God? Will you start demonstrating superior knowledge and superiority? Will you start climbing over the heritage of God, which is his people? Will you turn stone to bread? Will you use this power for your own selfish advantage? Will you use it to aggrandize yourself? That's the question. And that is the purpose of the chastening of the Lord that takes us back to Hebrews chapter 12. That we're talking about. Unless God deals with us and works in us and, con- and confirms us from within and transforms us fully, we will not be able to answer these questions truthfully. In fact, if someone is answering this question, say, no, I will not do that. You don't know yourself yet. Peter, before he knew himself, we're going to get there when we talk about to know what is in your heart, which is the second pillar of sonship. Um, Peter said, I will never deny you forever. No. He fought everybody who, who suggested it. It was a little girl who revealed what was in Peter's heart. And that's the purpose of this chastening. Chastening comes so that the full dimension of God's power be radiated through our intellect, through our soul, our emotions will be filled with levers of compassion and then our bodies will carry the energy, the vibration of grace, which is the desire of the ages. In fact, all the systems of the world, all the aspirations of all the living things, including nature itself, is to see the manifestations of the sons of God. Manifestation means the unveiling of them. It is not something that can be happen by themselves. The unveiling of the sons of God, which can be done only as it was done in Jesus when he survived the temptation. 40 days in the wilderness and he was tempted and was tested. And he came out of there and he came and then a voice came from heaven and said, Behold, this is my beloved son. The confirmation of that identity, the public proclamation and presentation of the full developed son to the world, ready for that level. Of impact and power in all sectors of economy, in all sectors of life, in religion, in education, in entertainment. We need sonships manifested. And the sonships cannot be manifested unless God works in you, in me, to bring us to that place of readiness where the voice will come from heaven. Otherwise, we will be trying gimmicks to control men, to influence men. Behold, I stand at the door. Only God owns the keys to the spirit of man. Only God can give you influence over others. He will authorize you to have influence over others and you won't have to worry and you won't have to, you won't have to use gimmicks. You won't have to play games to get people's attention. Everyone will listen to you because the heaven's command will come and it will say, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. <laughs> when God says here, everybody says here, here. <laughs> That's what will happen. But that, that is the manifestation we're talking about. The confirmation with the spirit of power that comes from the heart of the Father. His stamp of approval that he has trusted you with the full measure of his identity and that you're ready to be Christ upon this earth.
I have said you are God and all you will love you are children of the most high, but you will die like man, man. Or perish like not some of the princes, because we have not come into our identity. And we have not yet established ourselves in the pillar, the first pillar of sonship, which is this that we're talking about. Verse 6. Who being in the very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Ooh. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Now, even death on a cross. I was, uh, I was opportune to speak to some people on by the end of last year into this year and the word that was strong in my spirit was the passage of the scripture that I was inspired to use. Our impact upon this earth will require a deep level of flexibility. The flexibility to become all things to all men. I use the illustration of a man who is married, but he's also a businessman in the office. He's a boss. You cannot carry the identity of a boss into your marriage. Nor can you carry the identity of a husband into a father. The flexibility is needed for you to be a boss in the office and then to be a husband to a wife and then to be a father to children and then to be a servant of the body of Christ. You can't use the same tune you use in your office to talk to the same to God. <laughs> you know, there will be challenges. God will send us into places where we need to, according to verse 8, where we will need to be found in appearance as something that fits into the assignment that God is telling us to do. It takes deep humility to execute that level of flexibility. Whoa. I am an actor. But right now I am not speaking to you as an actor. I am not promoting this blog as an actor. No. I have to use the language of grace for this. I cannot use the language of celebrity ship for this. You, 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 uh, uh, some people come to church, they want to be who they are outside. And, they want, and that's because we've not learned it. It's not a matter of you bending and pretending. I'm talking about you become so pliable. I talked about pliability. You become so pliable to the spirit of grace that he can bend you here and there to suit the situation. After all, we call God beautiful for situation. He, he, that's how Zion is supposed to be. Zion is supposed to get into different areas of industry and blend in. Wise as serpents, gentle as a dove. And that is the root and the power of our influence upon this earth. You get me? I know you do. I'm getting to the end of today. I have to stop now. I want to make it only 20 minutes, each one of these series, so that you can be able to listen to it maybe over and over again. Because what will happen when we, when we, when we achieve this pliability and flexibility is that verse 9, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and give him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no limit to the power and the influence that is available. Because we walk in the path of the Son, if we endure his suffering, we will also enjoy his glory. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord too. All of that happening too. Only to the glory of the Father. May God bless you in what you do, wherever you are. And may we find the grace to pray, as I always advise, to wake up in the morning and say, Father, I belong to you. I give you permission. I open up myself to receive correction, to receive instruction, and to receive direction from you. In the name of Yeshua, Mashiach, I pray. Amen. I love you. Share this with everybody, you know. Thank you for following. God bless you.